0: section eighty-six of the united states this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. dot org recording by valerie marino the world's story volume thirteen the united states edited by eva march tappan section eighty-six the day of the evacuation of richmond eighteen sixty-five by morris schaff Sunday, and the bells were calling the people to worship, old and noted Richmond families uncovered at the door and reverently sought their pews at St. Paul's. Seven out of ten of the women were in mourning. In the solemn quiet sat the aged fathers, their hair falling white, and many a mother with high-bred face sorrowing for the boys who would never come home. There, in the subdued light of the sanctuary, they sat. While the bells which had clanged so joyfully at the birth of the Confederacy reluctantly and sadly boomed their final notes, as if they already knew what the congregation little expected that when they should ring again on the next Sunday at that very hour, the Confederacy would be on its deathbed, breathing its last. Jefferson Davis, president of the ill-fated cause above middle height lithe distinguished neatly arrayed in gray came up the center aisle with modest dignified quietude of manner entered his pew on the right and bowed his head in prayer his spare austere face showed the effects of four years of care as well it might for whoever faced a longer and fiercer tempest but he carried with him to st paul's as everywhere his habitual atmosphere of invincible courage and the never-failing bloom of urbanity the organ droned the last of the colourless Vinetti, and the service began. Along the sunshiny side of the empty streets, here and there convalescents from the hospital sauntered, pale, some armless and some on crutches. On its staff above the roof of the nearby capital, the flag of the Confederacy drooped in the mild sunshine, the stars of its blue, saltier shining from its folds above steeple and chimney, and over the springtime gladness of the fields. Out in Hollywood, where Stuart lay with so many of the best and the bravest, and where mr Davis's dust is now resting, the robins, sparrows, catbirds, redbirds, turtle-doves, and mocking-birds were building their nests among the evergreens and native trees. Over the rapids at the foot of the knolls of Hollywood, the stately James flowed murmuring by the shores of Belle Isle and the baleful walls of Libby Prison from whose dreary grated windows looked hollow-eyed, half-starved northern prisoners of war, who, as they heard the bells of Richmond ringing, no doubt recalled the bells of home and longed for release and peace. It was Communion Sunday, and the sacred elements covered with a white cloth were on the table. Dr. Charles Mingerode, the rector of St. Paul's, a diminutive, fervid, transplanted German, was delivering his usual tense, extemper address. When the sexton a portly man with ruffles at his wrist and bosom and polished brass buttons on a faded suit of blue advanced up the aisle with soft but stately tread and after touching the president on the shoulder with solemnity becoming his station and his one day in the week lofty importance condescendingly handed him a message mr davis threw his blue-gray eyes rapidly over the fatal dispatch he grasped his soft creamy white hat rose and withdrew calmly hardly had he left the door before the sexton again marched up the aisle and bending spoke to general joseph anderson who at once took his leave then followed two more grand entries and i think the confederacy though wan her cheek smiled faintly for like everything born in america she must have had a sense of humour heaven be blessed for the gift and i hope they buried the dignified sexton in his ruffled shirt and suit of blue with brass buttons in due pomp peace to his clay wherever it lies at his fourth presageful march up the aisle again with a message to a prominent official anxiety seized the congregation and like alarmed birds they rose at once and left the church and not until the bewildered people cleared the door and mingled with the throng that had already gathered in the modest vestibule and on the pavement was the purport of the messaged mr davis revealed There, in consternation, they saw government employees of a department that occupied an opposite building, frantically carrying bundles of public documents out into the middle of the street and setting them on fire. Then the appalling significance of it all broke on them, and they melted away to their homes in dread and anguish. The smoke of the burning records soon became the breath of panic, and by the time the sun went down and twilight came on, the city was in tragic confusion. Lee's lines were broken, and Richmond was to be evacuated that night. End of section 86. This recording is in the public domain. Recording by Valerie Marino.